of Never Found, Never Forgotten. I'm your host, Melanie, and full disclosure, laundry is going in the background. You're probably going to hear it. I apologize for that. This episode was originally going to be just one case, and it's been now over a year in the making, and I still wanted to tell this story. It's the story of Jared Negretti. And he went missing while hiking in the San Bernardino Mountains with his Boy Scout troop. I wanted to tell his story, but it just wasn't very long. It wasn't a full-length episode. So I decided to do some more research, and I decided to look into other people who've disappeared from national parks. And oh boy, let me tell you, there are a lot of them. And so I'm actually going to tell you two stories today. I'm actually going to tell you the story of Jared Negretti and that of Trenny Gibson. So the San Gorgonio Mountain is an 11,500 feet tall mountain. It's the tallest mountain in California south of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. And in the shadow of this mountain is Camp to Keats. And this is a Boy Boy Scout camp where 12-year-old Jared Negretti and 13 other boys and their scoutmaster would be staying. And part of their their trip included hiking San Gorgonio Mountain on July 19th, 1991. This was Jared's first overnight scout trip. The boys and their scout master began the climb toward the summit. And different articles report different things. One report said that at about 1,000 feet from the summit, Jared was too tired to continue and he was told he could remain behind while the others continued. And when the group got back to where Jared should have been, he was gone. Another article said that Jared was, he had begun lagging behind the group, and at some point he may have strayed onto a wrong trail. The scoutmaster realized that Jared was missing and quickly called in search and rescue teams. They found shoe prints at 10,000 feet, so about 1,000 feet from that summit. They find Jared's backpack. They find beef jerky and candy wrappers, but no Jared. Huge numbers of searchers came out to help in the search. There were over 200 experienced hikers and search and rescuers looking for Jared. There were helicopters in the air, and it's not uncommon for hikers to get lost in the San Bernardino National Forest, but they're either quickly found by search and rescuers or they find help on their own. So it was really unusual when they couldn't find Jared, when none of the search and rescuers could find him, when he didn't just turn up. Another item of Jared's that searchers found 
was his camera. And so this was back in 1991. And when they developed the film, they find several photos of the landscape. So they had to take the film, get it developed. Um, I'm having flashback to the days where I had like disposable cameras and would like beg my mom to drop them off at like a one hour photo just to see the prints that I got, which were all terrible by the way, but that's beside the point. The last photo on the roll of film is apparently a self-portrait before selfies were a thing. And before front-facing cameras and all of that, you didn't know if your face was in the frame. So in Jared's photo, the camera is held at arm's length and only Jared's nose and eyes are actually in the frame. But Jared's father, Felipe, thinks that Jared looks scared in the photo. And he said, quote, It is a beautiful place. God created it that way. But it is not a playground. It is a dangerous place, end quote. And he's referring to nature in general. And that's so true. Like, it's beautiful. We get, we sort of take it for granted sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's very dangerous, especially if you're inexperienced. Rescuers know that Jared had a two-quart blue water canteen with him. And because there is sufficient water on the mountain and the temperatures were moderate, they assume that Jared would have been able to survive unaided for several days if he was lost. However, no other sign of Jared was ever found nothing no trace of him at all after 19 days the official search was called off in an article from 2001 10 years after jared had disappeared his parents felipe and linda had moved from el monte california to walnut california and in addition to the biological children they have they had since adopted two more children at the time of his disappearance, Jared was described as being 5 foot 2, 150 pounds. He is a Hispanic male with black hair and brown eyes, and he has a small birthmark on his right cheek. He wears eyeglasses with brown plastic frames. Anyone with information on the disappearance of Jared Negretti can contact the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department at 909 909- 387-3690. And that's really all there is about Jared Negretti. I think it's an important story to tell. Jared's story deserves to be told, but there just isn't a whole lot. There has been no trace of him. And so not a full length episode. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to jump across the country to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park now. On the morning of October 8th, 1976, 16-year-old Teresa Lynn Gibson, who went by Trenny, was dropped off at school by her mom, Hope. And there was supposed to be a field trip that day, but Trenny was sure it was going to be canceled because the weather was kind of rainy and damp. What's more is the students didn't actually know where they would be going. It was a surprise. Their ornamental horticulture teacher 
Wayne Dunlap announced that morning that they would be going to the Great Smoky Mountains. Now, I have to assume the parents knew where they would be going. Um, I don't know if that much has changed from 1976 till now, but I would have to assume the parents would know where their children would be going. But I'm also not sure. I don't know what 1976 Tennessee was like. Teresa, at any rate, didn't know where she was going on this field trip. None of her classmates knew until that morning. So the kids load up in the bus around 9 a.m. and they drive to the Klingman's Dome parking area of the Great Smoky Mountains. They arrive there about noon and Mr. Dunlap gave the students very specific instructions. They're to hike the Forney Trail to Andrews Bald, which is about a 1.8 mile hike. They are to observe plants and trees and flowers along the way. They are to use that same trail, the Forney Trail, and go back to the bus by 3.30 p.m. They're not to take any side trails and they're not to go further than Andrews Bald. On the hike to Andrews Bald, Trenny hikes with Robert Simpson, who is a friend of her brother's. And because Trenny thought the trip would be canceled, she actually wasn't dressed for the weather. So Robert lends her his jacket. The two of them reach Andrews Bald around 1.30 p.m. and they sit and they eat lunch. According to Robert, Trenny decides that she's gonna hike back to the bus but Robert decides that he's going to stay behind and keep looking around. And she walks fast. She is walking at a fast clip. And she catches up to three classmates on the trail. And she and one of those classmates, Bobby Coggill, continue at a faster pace. So those two students pull away from the other two students. And they join two other students further up on the trail. And they continue on their way, again, at a pretty fast pace. Around 3 p.m., the group is about a half mile from the bus. They're going to make it in plenty of time. So they decide that they're going to, um, the rest of the group wants to sit and rest a minute. But Trenny wants to keep going. And so she continues on down the trail. The group of friends that she left actually watches her for a minute and they report that they see her like bend down and like look at something on the ground maybe and then she turns off the trail and goes to the right like she saw something that caught her attention and she went off the trail. But they're soon distracted when another group of students catches up with them. They join them. When they look back, Trenny is gone. And they just think that she moved on farther down the hill from them. She's farther along the trail. By 3.40, all the students have made it back to the bus, except for one, Trenny. When Robert, who had been seen with Trenny earlier, is asked where she is, he reports that he had parted with her back at Andrew's Bald. And she wanted to turn back and he wanted to track a bear which again i was a little (laughs) i was a little shocked by this like you're gonna track a bear out in the wild come on robert 
you're on a field trip. What are you going to do if you find this bear? Come on. But anyhow, so Mr. Dunlap and another student, they decide that they're going to hike all the way back to Andrews Bald, hoping to find Trenny along the way. Maybe she got behind the group. Maybe she twisted an ankle, got hurt, needed assistance. So they hike back, but they find no sign of her. None. Mr. Dunlap gets back to the bus and he radios the National Park Service via the CB radio in the bus. And Ranger Sammy Lale is the first to arrive and he immediately takes a missing persons report and launches a search. Good for him. Too often we hear about them like waiting, but good for him. The bus full of students returns to Knoxville, Tennessee, but Mr. Dunlap stays behind to aid with the searches. And allegedly on this bus, students start talking and the rumors start flying. And one of these rumors is that Trenny left the park with someone. It's not until 8 p.m. when Hope Gibson is notified that her daughter is missing when the bus gets back to Bearden High and her daughter is not on the bus. Her husband, also named Robert, Robert is on a business trip and he's due to arrive at the airport and in the meantime she decides she's going to go home, gather some of Trenny's dirty clothes to take to the mountains to help with the search dogs so the search dogs have her scent. Hope is a thinker. So she gathers up some of Trenny's dirty clothes. She picks up Robert from the airport. Robert and Hope finally make it to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park around midnight. The first search is called off around 3 a.m. when the weather makes the visibility too hard to continue. But in the morning, hundreds of people turn out to help with the search. There are teams with dogs. The National Guard is up searching with helicopters. But they find nothing. No sign of Trenny. These large-scale searches are called off on October 22nd when weather conditions get too bad to continue. There are more limited searches that continue through November 2nd. Um, but even then, those are called off because the weather is too bad. In April and May of 1977, Robert Gibson organizes several searches of the area, and again, they find nothing. Two initial suspects emerge pretty quickly. The first is Kelvin Bowman, and Bowman was also a student in Bearden High. And in October of 1975, he actually tried to break into the Gibson home. And Hope, not only is she a thinker, she is one badass chick. Hope hears him breaking into the house, grabs the shotgun, and shoots him in the butt. Just, she is tough. She's one tough cookie. So Hope shoots him in the foot. Bowman is arrested. And he's eventually sentenced to two years in a juvenile detention center. However, he only serves six months of that sentence. 
and and he then returns to Bearden High School despite making threats to kill Trenny when he got out. They let him go back to high school with Trenny even though he's making threats to kill her. Several students claim that Bowman was driving behind the bus the day that Trenny went missing. And again, I think this is part of those rumors that were swirling around on the bus. However, the principal of Bearden High, Frank Hall, said that Bowman was in all of his classes that day. Police look into any connection with Bowman, but they are not able to link Bowman to Trenny's disappearance. Later, in 1978, Kelvin Bowman was convicted of rape in an unrelated case, but he's never, ever been charged in relation to Trenny Gibson's disappearance. The second suspect to emerge was Robert Simpson. And friends and family said that he was very fond of Trenny, he seemed to have taken a romantic interest in Trenny, but she didn't seem all that interested in him. And after she went missing, a hair comb belonging to Trenny and one of her beloved possessions was found in Simpson's car. And when he was questioned about this, Simpson claimed that Trenny had given it to him to keep for her, which all of her friends and family were like, well, that's odd like that's not her typical behavior this is a beloved hair comb why would she give it to you to hold on to for her simpson does something else that raises suspicion though while the gibsons were at the national park searching for their daughter simpson went to their home no one asked him to do this no one gave him permission to be there but he allegedly went there and allegedly was screening their phone calls. I'm not 100% sure what this means in 1976. Today, when I think about screening my phone calls, I think about looking at the phone number that's calling me. Do I want to answer it? Do I know the number? You know, because we have like caller ID. I don't know if that, I, I don't think that technology was available in 1976. I'm not sure if he was like listening to answering machine messages and then erasing them. I'm not sure what it means that he was screening their phone calls, but he was doing that. Suspicious. It's suspicious. It doesn't look good for him. He was also very close with Trenny's brother and very friendly with the family. However, after Trenny's disappearance, he distanced himself from her family and her brother. Robert Simpson has never been charged with any crime linked to Trenny's disappearance. Trenny's jewelry was found in the possession of another Beard and High student. Um, this student had Trenny's sapphire star pendant and ring and when the student was questioned she didn't say how she had received the jewelry and she was asked to return it to the family as it had tremendous sentimental value to them and while the student agreed the family has never received those items the fbi investigated a few theories 
first they investigated the possibility that Trenny was kidnapped. So scent dogs did track her scent to the intersection of the Andrews Bald Trail and the Appalachian Trail. And it is possible that she was taken and hidden somewhere near the Clingmanstone Tower where the dogs were able to pick up her scent until she could be taken out of the park without anyone noticing. So that's one theory. Another theory is that she got lost. And if she accidentally started following the Appalachian Trail to the tower on Clingman's Dome, she might have seen a car on the nearby road, flagged it down, because this is where dogs also pick up her scent. And so a theory is that she met with foul play while flagging down help along this road. Another theory that I don't put a whole lot of stock into is that she ran away. Remember, there were alleged rumors that she had left the park with someone. Investigators don't put a whole lot of stock into this because the students didn't know where they were going. So it's not like she could have had someone arranged to meet her. And she also left behind her purse with $200 in it, $1,000 in her banking account, all of her clothing, medication that she had. So they don't really put a whole lot of stock into the runaway theory. Trenny Gibson is described as a Caucasian female. She was five foot three inches tall, 115 pounds. She has brown hair and green eyes. Anyone with information on the disappearance of Trenny Gibson can contact the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation at 615-744-4000. That is my episode for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your support. I do want to give a shout out to probably one of our number one fans who is an international listener. So I need to stop giving... I wanted to make more of an effort to give distances and stuff in kilometers instead of miles because everyone except for us uses that as a as measurement. I wanted to thank Nathan from Australia for your continued support and appreciation of our podcast and everything that we do. You are truly our number one fan. Nathan is responsible for encouraging us to continue on after uh, my hiatus. I just am so thankful for that, to know that someone all the way across the world listens to this podcast um, and offers encouragement to me is just mind-boggling. So I just, I can't even believe it. It just means the world to me. Thank you so much, Nathan. You're the best. You're our number one fan. You can find us on Facebook, Never Found, Never Forgotten. You can also find us on Twitter. Our handle there is Pod Never. So please find us there. Please interact with us. I do my very best. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.